now uh, I will invite up um, our male youth intern of the summer and someone who has been brought to Brookwood over the years um, through the Martin family and come on trips with us um, as he is good friends with Joe and, and others that have gone to church here. Um, and he just has a great desire for the Lord and, and he has a, a thirst and a hunger for um, God and who he is. And so um, he's going to come up now. Um, Will Leitner is going to come up now and give his grace along the journey. Good morning, everybody. Uh, not going to lie, it's pretty hard getting up here when the other intern is such a beautiful singer. <laughs> I'm, I remember the other week she sang farther along, and I'm in the pew getting goosebumps, <laughs> and now I'm up here. Uh, tough act to follow. Um, just wanted to thank, before I get into anything, thank y'all this summer as a church for being so welcoming to me, for giving me this opportunity, and uh, I've been so blessed to meet so many new people and learn so many things from this incredible church and what God is doing, and it is going to help me so much going forward um, in my life. As I've looked through this process of seeing the grace of God in my life, I <laughs> I come to this conclusion of just praise the Lord that we have the Lord in my life. Uh, I come to you being very humble and honest that I should not be up here. I should not be in this position, and uh, it's totally by the grace of God. The shepherd has truly been so patient with his sheep, and I've seen his grace in sanctifying me and conforming me to look more like his son. Uh, just throughout my life, even in the beginning stages, you know, I was, I was born really premature, and it, it is a miracle that I'm even here. And then in high school, losing friends and not really knowing where to be, God so beautifully had this mat meticulous genius plan to position people into my life. He never has ceased to fail me. And, and even more recently, I remember my senior year, I was in a really unhealthy relationship a uh, relationship that was unhealthy in all ways, emotionally, spiritually, physically. And I remember I was at this point where I had put all my hope and all my validation in this relationship and really had left God on the side. Um, I remember I, I was just coming off my second hip surgery, and I, I was in this state of just pride. I wanted to be known as this good Christian guy to everyone. I really wanted to have that reputation. But behind closed doors, I was not a follower of Christ. I thought I knew God, but really I wasn't seeking after him as I should. Uh, I remember I was struggling with all these temptations and struggles. And it was a moment in worship when I was singing the song, uh, What a Beautiful Name. And it speaks of God, how there's no other rival, no equal to the name of Jesus. And I just had this face-to-face -face encounter. Uh, I think of Peter when he denies Jesus three times, and he, he looks Jesus in the eyes, and he, he just weeps and weeps. And I, I had this moment of just, wow, like how beautiful and powerful and wonderful is the name of God. And through that experience, he turned my life around and worked in me incredible ways. Uh, he, he took my weakness and turned it into something beautiful. He, he took my heart and transformed it and renewed it. Uh, I have a pledge brother who sends me text a Bible verse every morning, and I got a text today. It was 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Uh, Jesus is speaking to Paul, and he says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. 
And this is the perfect message for my life, how he has been so perfect in my weakness. Every day my sin is accompanied by his mercies that he gives me every day. And when I am struggling, he restores my soul. When I'm in despair, he reminds me to be joyful. When I lose trust in his plan, he continually shows me how he works all things for my good. When I'm empty, he grants me new desires and gives me a hunger and thirst for his presence. And when my heart is stone, he transforms it into a heart of flesh. When I'm faithless, he is faithful. And when I am unworthy to be with him, he invites me into his presence. I think of the Beatitudes when it says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I had this moment of just mourning over my sin, but I was comforted by the cross. I've clung to the verse, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. The one who calls you is faithful and will surely do it. He will surely work in us. And, and that was the biggest display of grace I've seen in my life is how God has taken this destructive pervasive, weak servant and has worked in me to give me such great desires. If God is a teacher, I've just been this annoying kid in class, disrupting, throwing my pencil, yelling, and he has been so patient with me. And obviously when we speak of God's grace, there's no greater display of grace in my life than in my salvation. Than God making me just in his eyes by the blood of his innocent son. I really have just come to understand the wages of my sin, and I still don't think I ever will. But realizing how dead I was in my transgressions and that he gave his son who knew no sin to become sin so that I might become righteous with God. He took the worst of me and gave me the best of him. And I have to continually remind myself of this incredible grace that was bought at such a price. He saved me. He welcomed me into the glorious inheritance for me in heaven. And I must never forget the words of John 3.16, you know, God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. This is one of my favorite hymns. It's called Down at the Cross. Down at the cross where my Savior died, down where for cleansing from sin I cried. There to my sin the blood applied. Glory to his name. I am so wondrously, wondrously saved from sin. Jesus so sweetly abides within. There at the cross he took me in. Glory to his name. O precious fountain that saves from sin, I am so glad I have entered in. There Jesus saves me and keeps me clean. Glory to his name. Come to the fountain so rich and sweet. Cast thy poor soul at the Savior's feet. Plunge in today and be made complete. Glory to his name. He has been such a gracious, gracious father to me along this messy, bumpy, curvy journey that is my life and I'm so thankful and and so blessed that I have Lord thank you uh, we're reading uh, Psalm 51 uh, print your worship if you want to follow with us have mercy on me, O oh God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from, your guilt, from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone I have sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right 
in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, yes, the moment my mother conceived me, but you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me, now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins, remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach you, then I will teach your ways to rebels, and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. Do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Look with favor on Zion and help her. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with sacrifices offered in the right spirit, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will again be sacrificed on your altar. This is the word of the Lord. This is the third in a series entitled Raw Prayers, Psalms that Move Us from Hurt to Hope. I have greatly appreciated the response to these. Two weeks ago, we talked about Psalm 73, uh, talking about praying our uh, bitterness. And then last week, all the more, I got a lot of feedback on Psalm 88, which is a raw and intense prayer of uh, despair. And I so appreciated uh, a lot of your honest feedback on that and how that was helpful for you. This morning we're talking about praying our guilt, Psalm 51. And and unlike uh, the first two psalms that were so intense, I'm not going to move so much into the guilt but try to uh, help us to be, excuse me, redeemed from it. You shouldn't take sin lightly, of course. You shouldn't take guilt lightly. But I do like what Kathy Ladman said. She's a comedian. She was asked what her view of religion was. And in a very cynical way, she said, all religions are the same. Religion is basically guilt with different holidays. I thought that was cute. But let me shift to this immediately if we do take it as seriously as we should. I want to ask you just to close your eyes for just a minute and ask you what comes to the surface when I ask you what you have felt most guilty about, most ashamed of, what sin or failure or regret has been the most painful for you in your life. I don't want you to steep in it there for too long, but I do want you to see what comes to the service. Okay, open your eyes if you would. Do you really realize that God wants you to unload your weight of guilt, whether it's the one that you were just thinking of? It could be something from a long time ago. It could be something that's more recent or was a while back, but you kind of get over it, but then a wave of that weight comes back along, and it, it mires you within it as well. Now, David wrote this psalm after he had an affair with a woman and then conspired to have her husband killed. And David's prayer here, Psalm 51, is as raw and intense a word of confession of sin as you will find anywhere. 
He doesn't treat it as a cheap transaction. He wants to be washed white as snow and to walk in newness of life. And within this psalm, there really is a word of redemptive hope. By his honest confession and his humility, by which he confesses that there's a good word here, and there's a word that we can indeed be restored. He can unload his guilt. So if I were to ask you what sin really haunts you, in terms of the way it weighs you down with guilt, what would it be? And, and, and are you prepared this morning to let go of that guilt? Because that is indeed what God desires. Now, as you look into this psalm and explore it, it really moves from, from one phase to the next. The first one, I would say, is haunted by guilt, but then it moves to healed by grace. So let's talk about haunted by guilt, first of all. Let's look at verses 1 through 4. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from guilt, from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. It haunts me day and night. Tragic when sin haunts us in such a way. In some ways, it's like developing phantom limb pain. Skip, you know what that is, don't you? Phantom limb pain. It's when an amputee winds up feeling as if they still have a limb. They might feel an an itch on an arm that is no longer existent. They feel a burning sensation in their leg, or they feel like they're curling their toes on a leg that no longer is there. Dr. Paul Brand is a well-known physician had a patient named Dr. Barwick, and Dr. Barwick had a terrible circulation problem in one of his legs, and Dr. Brand kept advising, we need to operate and remove your leg. I'm sorry about that, but we need to do that. uh, Mr. Barwick was having none of that. Finally, the pain got so bad, he he complied and said, okay, we're, we're going to do this surgery, but he had a really odd request. He asked Dr. Brand that after he took the leg off, that they would preserve it in formaldehyde in a large, I guess you could call it a pickling jar or something like that, and he wanted it placed on his mantle so he could look at it and taunt it and say, you're not hurting me anymore. And Dr. Brandt thought, that is really weird. But he said, okay, we'll, we'll do that. And they did just that, but tragically the last laugh was on the leg itself because he developed this sense of phantom limb pain and he had hated the leg with such intensity hated it with such intensity that the pain of the wound lodged permanently in his brain and the pain was still there though the leg did not exist and in some ways i think that's kind of like the way guilt does us and how we should respond and should not respond It's as if we occupy our mind so much with some sin that we wind up lodging it in our head and in our heart when we don't need to do that. If we have honestly, authentically confessed our sin and shown that we are moving, taking steps toward a, a, a cleaner life, a more redemptive life, we need not worry about that. God does not have it lodged in his head and heart if you have confessed your sin to him. As Will said, even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot contradict himself, that wonderful passage in the New Testament. He cannot contradict his unconditional love. And if you confess your sin to him, you can be free of it and walk upon a new day. That's what he wants for you. But I wonder if you have weighed yourself down to the point that you have let some 
moment of shame, moment of guilt be lodged in your mind and in your heart. And it can it, it not only weighs you down, it can hurt. Not only that, it can harm you, and, and tragically, it can harm your witness to the salvation and the forgiveness that God offers. So what do you still beat up yourself about? Is it something you said? Is it something inappropriate you did? Is it some unbridled anger that you expressed towards someone that you now regret? Was it sexual in nature? Uh, was it an act of greed or selfishness in some way? Is it something that left you fully embarrassed or ashamed? Was it something you regret? And maybe even today you ask yourself, why did I or how could I have? Well, let me offer up that maybe at this moment it's time for you to unburden yourself of that guilt that you've been carrying. If you've confessed it and not treated it as a mere cheap transaction, but really desire to be redeemed of that sin, God wants you to get off your back. Maybe one of the better known verses in this whole psalm is verse 17. Let's look at that. The sacrifice you desire, that God desires, is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Broken spirit, the word broken there is just pretty straight up. You know, you are feeling broken about your sin. The word repentant there is interesting. In the Hebrew, it literally means crushed. A crushed heart. Now, it's not crushed like it's trying to break you. It's really crushed in the sense of being humbled. Uh, It's not breaking you, but crushing you. And that's a good thing. Uh, I think it's a very positive thing. You know, young people today like to talk about, I crushed it. Isn't that a phrase you guys use? I'm just trying to be hip and down with it, you know, and lit and turned and all those other words. Uh, Sorry. I'm so glad my son and daughter are not here. Uh, But but in all seriousness, I I love it when, you know, you, you, you hit the shot or you make an A or you hit the note just right or whatever, and you're like, I crushed it. And that's really what what confession of our sins can do with a broken spirit, and yes, with a crushed heart that wants to be remolded again. Uh, Mold me and make me after your will, O God. So let yourself be healed by his grace. That's a lot of the problem, though. A lot of times, somewhere out there in the distance, we we can embrace the fact that God has forgiven us. A lot of times, though, what God desires all the more is that we forgive ourselves. And David really points us in that direction and enables us to be healed by his grace. Let's talk about healed by his grace because this psalm really moves you to that reality. You know, God wants you to unload yourself of your guilt for two reasons. Number one, he loves you, and I know you know that. Secondly, he wants you to be as an effective witness to his grace as you possibly can be. And if you are still miring yourself and weighing yourself down in some guilt, you're not being as effective as a testimony to his forgiveness and grace as you could be. I always go back to Jesus restoring Peter after Peter has denied Jesus three times and messed up so many times when they were fishing in the boat and then when he tried to walk on water and now uh, this icon depicts Jesus forgiving him, restoring him three times. You remember what Jesus said, Simon, do you love me? Yes, Lord, feed my sheep. He says that three times, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. He's saying, get off your guilt, Peter. I need you. People need you to be a witness to my grace. He could be saying the same thing to you right now, especially if you're letting guilt get the best of you. And you know what? Even before Jesus came, hundreds of years before, David saw that need for people to accept God's grace and then to share it. If you would look at verses 12 through 15. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Because if I do that, then what? Then I will teach your ways to rebels. 
and they will return to you. They'll return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God, who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. Restore me, O God, that I might be an instrument, instrument of restoration to others. Forgive me that I might be an effective example, witness of forgiveness. Witness to that forgiveness. But to witness to that forgiveness, you've got to forgive yourself as well. And maybe that's what you really need to be doing this morning, is ridding yourself of that as you're beating yourself up. But God desired David to become free of that. He desired Peter to be free of that. In order to be the best witness you could. It is such a delivering word for us to remember and to recall that, that, that none of us None of us, neither you or anyone else, is ever beyond the reach of God's grace. Let me tell you about uh, a friend of a friend of mine, a minister in Louisville, whom I know has a good friend named Daryl Davis. And Daryl grew up in the terrible part of Louisville. He says as a kid, all he saw was poverty and drugs in his life. His father's mental disorder created chaos in the home. They were destitute. Uh, oftentimes the utilities were cut off. He did not know where he and his four siblings were going to get the next meal. Uh, at 13, uh, his parents divorced. He moved in with his dad, who at that point was drinking heavily and was, was uh, prostituting women out of his home. And then by the time uh, Daryl was 15, his father threw him out onto the street and for months for months, 15 years old, he would sleep in a car in a parking garage in downtown Louisville. That was his life. Never knew where the next meal was coming. I'll never forget when I read about his testimony. He said, I remember unraveling a bag of chips and eating those and thinking, I hope these will last for a day or two. That's where he was. He was wandering the streets, became a dishwasher, and his wages were, were enough to, to at least pay the rent, but also to pay for his newly found drug habit. And one day, he found himself indicted on drug charges after many years of being an addict. And he found out that a friend had ratted him out. And so armed with a knife, he went looking for that friend. And he found him in a barber shop, and they got into a tussle, and it spilled out onto uh, the sidewalk, and he stabbed the man to death. Stabbed him to death. And Daryl was arrested, charged with murder, received a life sentence. And, and he says that just one day he was, he was sitting in a chair uh, out in this quad area where prisoners would, would be. And one day he was just sitting in a chair there, and he sensed God there in his cell. And he puts it this way, I remember the presence of God just settling around me, something very foreign to me. I didn't even know exactly what was going on. All I know is that for the first time I was able to feel for a very long time and remorse and guilt began to work in my heart. I began to really contemplate what I had done. I thought about the crime and the scene of it, and all the horror that it had entailed. I remembered every detail for the first time, and I got on my face, my face and my weeping turned into convulsive crying. And that night, Daryl asked Christ into his heart, and after serving 22 years, he was released, and he now leads a prison ministry uh, that I want you to hear about. And, and this is for a video that he did for someone, and it's entitled, Is My Sin Beyond God's Forgiveness? And we're just going to watch a couple minutes. On April 26, 1988, uh, a drug deal gone bad. I had inadvertently gotten involved with a guy, and in my, my thinking, the best thing to do was to go there and execute vengeance. 
it became very lethal and put my finger in his face and I said, that's what you get, rat. My victim put his hand over his mouth and said, oh God, I had stabbed him 22 times. The jury went out and deliberated on the sentence and came back and found me guilty of one murder and gave me a 35 year sentence. Every time I looked in the mirror, all I could see was a monster, a person who had shattered lives, taken a life and uh, just crushed hopes and dreams for so many people. It was very analytical for me to read words uh, like that God forgives and that he loves us and accepts us and uh, wants to work within our hearts. I couldn't grasp that concept. I went into the prison and took a chapel job working for a chaplain and that chaplain was a real blessing to me, discipling me and, and teaching me things and growing me up in the Lord. It really did take the Holy Spirit to work in my heart to get me into that place where I could feel and believe that grace, the favorable regard of God, is greater than my sin, my shatteredness, my brokenness, my past, my impoverished childhood, all of the things that I had felt in my life. Uh, his grace was so much greater than all of those things. Today, I'm the director of Proclamation of the Word Ministry. We do pre-incarceration mentoring, uh, mentoring men and women who are on their way to prison. We do incarceration mentoring and post-incarceration integration, helping those people who are living, leaving prison get back on their feet and acclimated back into society. Uh, grace is greater than the murder that I committed, the lives that I shattered, the people that I've hurt physically, spiritually, and emotionally. It's that grace that speaks to my heart every single day. As much as I've said tomorrow can never be better than today, he's done it over and over for me. I hope and pray that uh, in a moment as we come forward for uh, the Lord's Supper that you would see it as an invitation for you to come forward and unload whatever weight of sin you are experiencing right now.